Hi, it's Matt. Just before we start the show, I want to tell you about a great live event I've got coming up on the 27th of March. To celebrate 600 episodes of Recruiting Future, I'm going to be hosting a live Ask Me Anything webinar. This is your chance to pick my brain on anything you like, including market trends and predictions, the impact of AI on recruiting, skills-based hiring, the changing role of recruiters, podcasting tips, or even my favourite Scottish tourist destinations and whiskies. Literally, ask me anything. I'll also be joined by some surprise special guests who'll be adding their perspectives to the conversation. You can sign up now by going to mattalder.me slash AMA. That's mattalder.me slash AMA. And I really look forward to seeing you there. That web address one last time. mattalder.me slash AMA. Support for this podcast is provided by Paradox, the conversational AI company helping global talent acquisition teams at Unilever, McDonald's and CVS Health get recruiting work done faster. Let's face it, talent acquisition is full of boring administrative tasks that drag the hiring process down and create frustrating experiences for everyone. Paradox's AI assistant, Olivia, is shaking up that paradigm, automating things like applicant screening, interview scheduling and candidate Q&A so recruiters can spend more time with people, not software. Curious how Olivia can work for your team? Then visit paradox.ai to learn more. There's been more of scientific discovery more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 412 of the Recruiting Future podcast. This year, scale and speed are an essential focus for many talent acquisition teams. But how do you scale recruiting and speed up hiring in an environment where recruiting recruiters is as tough as it is right now. My guest this week is David Spencer Percival, CEO of Life Science People and formerly the founder of high-growth recruitment businesses Huntress and Spencer Ogden. David has decades of experience scaling up and recruiting recruiters in various markets. He has developed a tried-and-tested methodology that many talent acquisition teams can learn from. Hi, David, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. And it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, my name is David Spencer Percival, and I am the CEO of Life Science People. Fantastic. Now, lots of things I want to talk to you about, but I think we should probably start with setting the scene and you giving us a little bit of your backstory because you've had a, a fascinating career in recruitment and I think it would uh, be really val valuable for people to hear everything that you've achieved. No problem at all. Yeah. So um, I, I'm very old, so I started a long time ago. <laughs> um, yeah, I started back in a small tech agency um, in, in 97, I think it was. Very quickly became a, a, a biller on contract. I was billing a million a year way back then in, in, in just 25 years ago. Um, so I was a big biller in contract. And then 
I met a guy uh, and we decided um, to work together and we set up Huntress, which seven or eight years took it to um, 100 million turnover and 27 offices, about 500 staff, 5,000 contractors and temps. And we uh, we sold it to um, a Japanese bank in uh, just before the financial crash, actually. The timing was extraordinary. I did my earnouts and then I set up another recruitment agency called Spencer Ogden with um, Sir Peter Ogden, my business partner. Again, huge growth. Sunday Times Fast Track seven times, Queen's Award for International Trade. I mean, it's an amazing business. We set up offices on, on just about every continent. And again, took it to 100 and, over 100 million, actually 130 million turnover. And yeah, I left that business um, about three or four years ago. I'm still, still, a, still a shareholder, and that business was sold uh, two years ago this month, actually, to a private equity company. Again, 500 staff in energy uh, and engineering. Um, great business. So yeah, now cut to uh, just over a year and a bit, a year and four months ago, set up life science people to focus on the life science industry. And we're up to about 90 people at the moment uh, and heading for about 150 this year. So that's my history. Fantastic stuff and so much success. And I think one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about that I think would be very relevant to everyone who's listening. And obviously, the majority of people listening are corporate recruiters and um, talent acquisition teams, but but all of them are trying to recruit recruiters at the moment. And it's a very, very difficult market to do that. And you've had tremendous success across three businesses in terms of recruiting and training and nurturing fantastic recruiters. What would your advice be? Well, first of all, how did you do it? And what would your advice be to people who are building out recruitment teams in this market? It's an interesting question, Matt, and, and it's sort of the secret weapon to any fast-growing recruitment business. Um, I think we learned way back in the Huntress days um, that to find experienced people is difficult, uh, expensive, and it's a sort of 50-50 chance they're going to make it. Um, so I don't think you can scale or build a business very quickly um, by doing it that way. So we, we really fell upon this kind of like graduate academy model, really, which is where you you take on 10 to 15, I don't know, necessarily have to be graduates, but certainly sort of first or second jobbers. You then take them through a, a rather intense training program. Um, it's two week to a classroom and then and then sort of two and a half months uh, on the sales floor being tutored and, and, and sort of helped and trained and then you end up uh, eventually with with, with, a, with a bunch of recruiters it's quite a, a a tough thing to do it's expensive you know it's a quarter of a million pounds per academy and i think if i go back to to spencer ogden which is a clearer uh, a view really and uh, not that that long ago Hiring, you know, 10 to 15 people every quarter, then 10 to 15 people every two months, then every month, then every two weeks. And I think in the end, by the time I left Spencer Ogden, we were, we were hiring sort of 15 to 20 people every week somewhere in the world in some kind of academy. We had 15 trainers at the time. So that really uh, that sort of made up 80% of our headcount. So pe- peppered with experienced people in sort of team leader management roles and, and billing roles. So there's no easy way to do it and I, I certainly don't think you can do it with just experienced people so that in a nutshell is the model it sounds so simple but it's <laughs> fiendishly expensive complicated and of course you have levers in there and you're sort of trying to get uh, as many people as you can through through the recruitment cycle what elements 
of it do you think make it successful? Is it type of people or the type of recruitment that you do to get people in? Is it the training? Is it a combination of is it a combination of both? What's the what's the what's the balance there? It's a combination of things. I don't think there's any silver bullet, unfortunately. The first thing is selection. You know, the problem with hiring, certainly hiring graduates, is all, all their CVs tend to look the same. They've not really had any experience in, in, in jobs and work other than sort of stuff they've done outside of their degree. I don't think I've ever met anybody who's who's worked in, who wants to work in the degree they finished. I mean, you know, it's sort of like almost a running joke, having hired 5,000 graduates in the last 20 years you know you've got a degree in geology why don't you want to be a geologist you know it's sort of quite a funny thing so selection's interesting you know you, you kind of get two three hundred cvs then you kind of sort of telephone or, or certainly try to speak to 60 or 70 of them then you get 15 or 20 people in for an assessment day then from that assessment day you'll probably hire two to three people after a round of two or three interviews um what are you looking for? You're looking for not necessarily academic um, um, uh, ability. Some people can be street smart, not particularly academic, but you're certainly looking for people who want to be successful. It's a, I don't think there's anything better than trying to hire people who, who are ambitious. Um, and that's, that's the difficulty. And then once you have those people, then you, then you kind of like have to create culture. Um, training is, is relatively simple. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's a set of processes recruitment. It's not overly complicated, but it has to be done in a certain order and all at the same time. But you can train that. You can't train sales. Sales is a natural ability, in my personal opinion. And then you create culture. So when these people are coming out onto these kind of like big open sales floors that we build, the culture of success and, and incentive uh, then needs to sort of kick in. So yeah, there's a lot of complexities and nuances and and, and stuff. I don't. And, and when you put that all together, you can create a fast growing recruitment company. And what's surprised you most doing that? What's the sort of standout thing that you just weren't expecting to happen? I think <laughs> I think the ability of some people to sit in front of you and say, "I really, really, really want to do this," and then you know. Six weeks in, they say, I, I just can't do this job. It's too difficult. I think that's probably the most surprising factor because I've been hiring people over a 20-year period. And, you know, things have changed a lot, certainly in the last four or five years. And then the pandemic then changed it, everything again. You know, people, when I, when I certainly, when I said out, you know, I'm one of Thatcher's children, you know, in, in, in the late 80s, you would sort of talk to go out and, and, and be an entrepreneur and, and, and find success predominantly monetarily. Uh, and we were sort of almost ingrained to be capitalists. Um, a lot's changed. You know, people want jobs for different reasons now, not necessarily for financial gains. They want to know that the the culture and the ethics uh, are, are correct within a business. So, and also, you know, this this pandemic, you know, this whole work from home culture. I mean, you can work from home in certain industries and sectors, but it's incredibly difficult to train salespeople uh, in a work from home environment. So. That, I think, is the biggest thing is change always surprises me. And it shouldn't because I know, you know, everything, a startup business changes every three months. You know, I'm used to change, but culturally things have changed when you're hiring people. I think that's, that's, the, that's the big big surprise, I guess. And obviously, you know, you mentioned the pandemic there. You talk about recruitment processes and also you know you you're you're running a business in a um in, in a talent market where where talent is talent is hard to hard to find so lots of organizations are looking at 
their recruitment processes at the moment to respond to the, the very tough market conditions in terms of, of finding talent. Do you think is the key to success in the current markets that we find ourselves in? It's very interesting. I mean, I've worked in in a candidate-driven market, where which is cer- almost certainly the market we're in now. I mean, um, we're in life sciences, but you can almost apply that to any sector. I don't know any company, successful company in the world that's not trying to hire at the moment uh, coming out of a pandemic. So candidate-driven markets are, are very, very different from client-driven markets. Client-driven markets are very much a case of, you know, you have the pick of, of many, many, many candidates and you can sort of get a bit tougher with your recruitment process. But when you're in a candidate-driven market, you have to change um, your your processes. You know, there's wage inflation, you know, there's, there's counter-offers, um, there is, you know, uh, uh, the candidate is in control. And I'll never forget this. When we were hiring graduates at some point in Spencer Ogden, there were hundreds of thousands of graduates looking for a job. When that market pool sort of dries up and then, then the candidate is in control, they ask you some sort of very interesting questions like, you know, what is your work from home policy? What, what, what's the coffee taste like? You know, what's the environment I'm going to be working in? How many days holiday do I get? So right now, in a, in a, in a, you're moving very, very fast towards a towards candidate-driven market. You have to change um, the, the, the lens, and the lens is very much you have to sell to that candidate as opposed to that candidate has to sell to you. And some companies just don't get it, you know. And, and also, the speed at which you move has to increase because – if you are waiting for yet another line manager or, or, or HR or somebody to interview that candidate, the process takes too long, that candidate will find another job. The candidate will move with the fastest moving company with the best offer. That's the big difference right now. A quick message from our sponsor, Winolo. Hi, everyone. I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W-O-N-O-L-O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over a hundred markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York, and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com slash pod. That's www.wonolo.com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers. And what do you think the companies that are moving fast, what is it that they're doing that's enabling them to, to do that and get the best talent? Uh, put quite simply, they're selling their businesses to the candidates and they are certainly uh, moving quick. Um, they're the two key factors, I think. Um, we often get candidate feedback. I mean, we're sending out a thousand CVs a week. We're setting up three to four hundred interviews every week at the moment. That would be ten times that in two or three years. So we get an awful lot of information and feedback. And I think the most successful companies hiring good quality people at the right price, selling the 
place that they're going to be working and the projects that they're working on and the culture and the the package. They're just doing a really good job in hooking those candidates to come and work for them. And they're moving fast with offers and they're keeping it quite personal as opposed to sort of, you know, lots and lots of emails going backwards and forth during the negotiation. It's not rocket science, but you'll be amazed how many companies think that they are in the driving seat with process when actually the candidate is, unfortunately, right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. You mentioned change and and how much things have changed in in, in recruiting over the last sort of, you know, the last couple of decades. One of the, the big elements of that is technology the kind of the evolution of the technology that we use and, and what's possible and what's available. What's your view on the role of technology in recruiting at the moment? Yeah, that's an interesting question. You know, I'm, I'm one of those individuals that was around before the internet. And when it came along, it was sort of, you know, the person in the corner with all the screechy noises trying to sort of tell you how brilliant it was. And then suddenly, you know, if you're a taxi driver, Uber's eating your lunch, you know. Um, I think with recruitment, we've always had this threat of, um, technology linkedin was probably the biggest one you know any internal recruiter with a linkedin license can do the same job as a as a recruitment consultant in an agency i don't think there's any doubt of that the interesting thing about ai though is and i think it's very difficult to write an algorithm for human interaction and until i can i i I don't see how the process can be can be removed from 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 the individuals because you know you're dealing with people and cvs can be sort of written into an algorithm to produce the correct CVs. But fundamentally, it comes down to interviewing people. And then it comes down to a relatively delicate negotiation process. And as I say, when you're in a a client-driven market, I would imagine it'd be much easier for tech to replace some of the things that uh, are relatively complex in the process. But when it comes to a candidate-driven market... I don't think it's possible. I mean, the higher up you go with salary and experience, the more complex it gets. I mean, you could probably use technology to hire graduates because all the CVs look the same. But there is a point when you kind of want to know a personality match. And yeah, you can do psychometric testing. You can do all sorts of weird one of things. But you are dealing with human beings. And that, that's an awfully difficult thing to, 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 to bring tech into the party with but as far as actually finding people for sure technology has, has taken over the, the world of recruitment in that term i suppose leading leading on for that you, you mentioned in-house recruiters and and linkedin and and obviously we've seen massive growth in corporate talent acquisition over the last uh, you know particularly the last 10 years maybe the last sort of 15 20 years all of the people listening i'm i'm sure you know however big their ta team is will still be using agencies to a greater or lesser extent in different ways for for different things and i would imagine that that will just uh, that's that's going to continue what would your advice be to the ta leaders that are listening in terms of working with agencies in the current environment and getting the best out of the partnerships that they have well just before we go to that it's, it's an interesting point about the the rise of the internal re- recruitment market i mean there, there's a wonderful story about um, bp oil the the chiefs of bp said well we're spending far too much on agency fees you know we're spending 10 million a year and i'm sure every internal recruitment team has heard this and you know we need to we need to hire more recruiters uh, internal recruiters to get the agency fees down and then about 
four or five years later, the board looked at it and said, why have we got 200 internal recruiters? We're not in a recruitment agency. Why don't we go back to using agencies? Because I think it would be cheaper. So <laughs> I've seen the pendulum swing many, many times in companies when they do wake up sometimes and say, ah, I think we think we're a recruitment company, but I don't think we, we're, we're getting much ROI on this. So I think the, the, where it's settled, certainly in the last four or five years, is that it's a balance, really. I think internal recruitment teams are really important for companies, and they do, 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 they do they can do a really, really good job as well. But there needs to be a balance of whether it's 50-50, 70-30, 80-20 in favour of the internal recruitment team. Agencies find candidates that internal recruitment teams can't. And the, the, and the only reason, it's a very simple reason why, because they have other jobs to sell them. I mean, if you're working as an internal recruiter for BP, you only have BP to sell the, sell the candidate, whereas a recruitment consultant has the market. They could have the five best jobs on the market and be able to sell you a candidate those jobs and, and they have a choice which is why candidates like to use agencies because they get more choice and really for any internal recruitment team to get the best out of an agency um is not overly complicated either first of all it's utterly pointless trying to negotiate the fees down to a point where the recruitment consultant just simply won't bother working or you know all, all, all clients are graded abc in a, inside a recruitment agency and if you're an a client with good fees but not not crazy fees but you know good sensible fees good recruitment processes good interview processes you, you just get the best candidates so and it, but if you're you know sitting down there trying to crush the agency on on fees rebates you're slow you're, you you really treat them as a sort of necessary evil without communicating with them you're just not working with the agencies in the best way to find the best candidates and and that i think is 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 a good working relationship is we have a psl we have four or five agencies we like working with we pay them a you know a, a decent fee and we get candidates that we can't find that's probably the best relationship you can have absolutely as a final question predicting the future is 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 impossible and uh, you know we've certainly seen that in the last in the last few years but i would be really interested in your thoughts as to where recruitment's heading what will we be talking about in 5 years time if we had this conversation again I'm a traditionalist, man. I, I, I genuinely think that recruitment won't change very much um, because of the set of processes that we do. I, I can honestly say in the last 20 years, the actual job hasn't changed. There's some technology brought in, but fundamentally, recruitment agencies have to pick up jobs, find candidates, set up interviews and try and get offers and try and get people starting in work. It's not... It's not changed much. Will it change in the next five years? My, my only thought on that would be, I, I think the commoditized parts of the market where you don't need, and I, I guess it, I use graduates as an example. I'll probably use tech as a good example. I mean, a programmer, when I was working in tech recruitment, it wasn't. we weren't particularly interested in the personality traits of programmers as long as they could code. So I think, Probably a, a more commoditized part of a market will see a lot more tech coming in. And I think the more sophisticated end of the market, certainly going into executive search, I don't think there'll be any changes at all. 
if anything, it'll be it'll become a much more skilled sort of platform to, to to work from. It's a bit like retail, isn't it? You know, you have this commoditized end with supermarkets, and then you have high end. And if you're caught in the middle, it's the mid market that gets sort of destroyed in, in, in any kind of like tech influenced world so i don't see many changes other than the the, the quality will, will be protected and the commoditized probably less so david thank you very much for talking to me it's been an absolute pleasure man good to speak to you my thanks to david you can subscribe to this podcast in apple podcasts on spotify or via your podcasting app of choice please also follow the show on instagram you can find us by searching for recruiting future You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you, and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.